Welcome to Bold Girl Biz Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to fearless and brave entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Robbie Walls. So consider yourself one step closer to success. Why? Because you're going to hear lessons learned through failures, setbacks, and sometimes laughable moments in business. And the resilience it takes to get back up, shake it off, and move you from failure to success as a way to grow your business and build income. Let's go. Hey, welcome everyone to Bold Girl Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Walls. I'm super thrilled about today's guest. She's a 20-year veteran in merges and acquisitions. She has sold hundreds of businesses. She is recognized as the leading authority on buying, selling, fixing, and growing businesses. She sees opportunities where many are discouraged or have given up. Her passion is to save businesses that might otherwise close. She closes nearly 98% of all written offers, and on average, she obtains 20 to 40% above the asking price for her clients. She is the best-selling author of Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth, and her newest book, Exit Rich. Here to talk, Bold Girl Biz is a bold girl talking biz. Let's welcome Michelle Seiler Tucker to the show. Welcome. Thanks, Robbie. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. Yes, I am super excited. Super excited. So let's jump right in and talk about how you got started first. Okay. Um, so I've always been an entrepreneur pretty much as long as I can remember. I wasn't your typical child. I never really pay, played with toys or dolls or mm-hmm. anything like that. I would always walk around with a notebook asking strangers hundreds upon hundreds of questions. <laughs> so my mom thought I was going to be like Barbara Walters. And um, she just knew I was going to be a reporter. But anyway, I always liked writing and I always liked people. So I knew I was going to do something in the entrepreneurial people writing world. (laughs) So I've owned lots of businesses. I've owned publishing companies. I've owned event companies. Um, And so anyway, my my background is is I was working at Xerox. I did kind of get sucked into corporate America. Uh And I was... I was there for six months and then they came to me. My nickname at Xerox was The Closer. So when somebody couldn't sell something, they would bring me because I would always close the deal. I hear you. So, <laughs> so my manager my manager came to me and said, Michelle, you need to interview for regional, uh, the regional vice, um, vice president management position overlooking like 85, 90 salespeople. She said, you'll never get it, but you should do it. I said, well, why would I interview for something I'll never get? Right. And she says, because you're interviewing again. Number one, you won't get it because you're interviewing with people that have been here for decades and you've been here all the six months. Mm -hmm. But the reason you should do it is because it's so much experience and you'll learn so much throughout the process. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And I went ahead and did it. It was a three-month grueling process. And I had to meet with um, high-level executives, you know, demonstrating high-volume Xerox equipment, Mm. doing presentations, you know, asking, answering a bunch of questions. Anyway, I ended up getting the position, even though I was told I would never get it. Mm -hmm. So I got moved in that position 
And I still missed entrepreneurship. I'm like, you know, and I wasn't, I, I was making good money. I had six figures plus benefits. But the problem with corporate America is you set a meeting to plan a meeting to actually have a meeting. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I was just always at meetings, you right. know? Always. And I didn't like that. I'm not mm -hmm. a meeting person. I'm, I'm a, a results person. So anyway, so I started looking for a business to buy and I stumbled across a franchise that had a couple of locations. My husband knew one of the owners and um, we went out to dinner with him. I said, look, I want to buy one of your franchises. I'm going to keep mm. my job at Xerox, but I want something on the side that mm -hmm. I'll operate. And they said, no, we know of you and your reputation and we don't want you to buy a franchise. We want you to partner with us to be an actual partner and we'll give you a franchise. Ah. And I said, wait a minute, I'm not going to close. I'm not going to leave my six figure position with great uh -huh. benefits for a franchise company that has two locations. <laughs> <laughs> I said, let me, let me give this some thought. And then I said, yeah, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll do it for six months. I'll keep my, my position with Xerox. I'll work evenings and weekends. I'll fly to trade shows. I went to, you know, Franchise Expo and all the franchise shows. And I did that for six months and made more money in six months than I did an entire year at Xerox. Wow. So I knew it was time to, to, to take that leap of faith and, and leave Xerox. Um, after being in that position for six months. <laughs> <laughs> so I did that and I sold hundreds upon hundreds of franchises and they did what most companies do. They grow, 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 mm -hmm. but they don't grow on a solid foundation. Mm. So they never built the solid foundation to be able to sustain the growth and be able to service the clients. So uh -huh. they were over-promising, under-delivering. And these franchisees are my friends, you know? I went to their weddings. I would go uh, to the hospital when I had babies. I would uh -huh. stay at their house when I came into town. So I just got to the point where I couldn't do it anymore. I, I told the partners, I said, look, you know, I'm going to always be on the franchisee side. Okay. And they're like, well, no, you're a partner with us. You need to be on our side. I said, it's not us against them. <laughs> we're on the same team. Right, they right. Bought products and services and we need to deliver and we're not delivering. That's right. So they just wouldn't reason. And I ended up saying, well, buy me out. And anyway, so I ended up getting them to buy me out. And that's when I transitioned into selling companies. Wow. So I transitioned to selling small companies, you know, at first. And I started transitioning and selling large companies, $10 million and up. And then I trans transitioned into fixing companies because I learned very quickly, according to Steve Forbes, who's also endorsed Exit Rich, yeah. eight out of 10 businesses won't sell. Right. So right. either I fix them and grow them and build them to sell or I starve to death. I choose. Okay. I love <laughs> so that. So I started fixing them, growing them, building, building them to sell. So I really specialize in buying, selling, fixing, growing. I do buy businesses. I flip them. I've also partnered with business owners. And investing my money, my core competencies, my extra expertise. Um, and so I can build their business to sell for their desired price tag. Wow. That so is, that's my background. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I love it. Wow. So much. Um, now, so let's talk about today with uh -huh. so many businesses failing right now. Mm -hmm. Is this a good or a bad time to own a business or, and, and sell a business? Yeah. So I think, you know, look, it, it really depends upon the situation. I think it's always good, a good time to own a business, mm -hmm. but not everybody's cut out to own a business. Yes. So you really have to look at the individual and say, are they an entrepreneur? Are they a true business owner? Can they handle it? Uh -huh. When a tough, when a tough, you know, when it gets tough, is the tough going to get going? Are they going to stick? Are they going to have stickability? 
and stick it out. So, right. you know, you really have to ask yourself that question before you determine if that person or if yourself is, is, should be in business. Should be in business. Um, mm -hmm. As far as, is it the right time to sell a business? That really depends because it depends on the industry you're in. Uh -huh. So if you're in hospitality industry, see before COVID hospitality was doing great. There's industries that were thriving before COVID that are now dying. There's yes. industries that were dying before COVID that are now thriving. So it really depends because there are lots of buyers right now. People are shocked by this. I'm shocked. There are hundreds, if not thousands of buyers right now. There are more buyers for good businesses than there are good businesses to buy. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is when a business gets an EBITDA, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization, over a million dollars, then there's more buyers for those businesses. Yep. And if the business is running on what I call the Siler Tucker 6Ps, there are more buyers for those businesses. But not all businesses are over that million dollar in EBITDA mark, and not all businesses are running on that 6Ps. So each business owner, to answer your question, has to look at their current situation, their current family dynamics, and ask themselves, you know, if I'm in restaurant industry, should I sell right now? Right. The answer is, can, can you, can you hold on? Can you not mm -hmm. sell? Can you survive right now and thrive later? Or do you have to sell because you're about to lose everything? Mm -hmm. So there's a, there's a series of questions that I take sellers through. It's called a seller sanity check to help them determine when is the best time to sell their business. Ah, yes, because there are so many restaurants that I love here in St. Louis, and they have literally closed. Like we drove up to two last week and shocked, completely closed, doors locked, gone. I'm in New Orleans, and, you know, we are a food capital here, and we have oh, lots yes. of famous restaurants like Jean-Paul Paul Proudhon mm -hmm. went out of business, and there's a bunch of famous ones that went oh, out of business. Oh, did it? Oh, yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. So it's sad right now, but there's other businesses that are crushing it. And so it's really a buy. It's really, you know, kind of a, it's a, people ask me, Shaw, is that buyer's market or a seller's market? It's really both. Okay. And okay. here's how it's both. If you're in a, if you're in an industry that's thriving, then I'm going to throw more buyers at you. Then you're going to know what to do with and probably create a, a bidding war and you're going to get a higher price for your business. Ah. It's also a buyer's market because you can pick up some really good deals right now and buy businesses in some cases, pennies on a dollar. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's really both a buyer's and a seller's market. Now, if you're in, a, in an industry dying, you're not going to sell for premium price. So that's right. why you have to ask yourself, is it better to hold and grow or is it better to sell and go? And that's what I had to ask myself and I'm going to hold and grow. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And that's good. And that's, yeah. and you know what, I'm not in this business just to sell businesses. I'm in this business to do what's right for the client. Love that. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Now during this pandemic, I mean, everyone has been affected. What mistake is on the rise from entrepreneurs trying to sell their business for fast yeah. cash? Cause I was in that situation. So that's a very good question. And let me give you a little history real quick, because sure. I don't, you know, yes, COVID has made things worse, but things were bad before COVID and people don't realize it. Mm. So when I wrote my first book, um, Sell Your Business for More Than It's Worth in 2013, did the research, you know, I learned that 85 to 95% of all startups will go out of business, right? So businesses yeah. have been in business one to five years. We all know that, that I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But when I wrote Exit Rich in 2019, I did the exact same research. 
Now only 30% of startups from one to five years will go out of business, only 30%. So this is great news for startups. Yes, it is. <laughs> However, yes. out of 27.6 million companies, 70% of business owners have been in business 10 years or longer, those 70% will do, go out of business. Mm. Now do the math. Those are startling statistics. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of businesses going out of business because there's 30.2 million businesses in the United States. And they employ over half the U.S. workforce. If small businesses close, small business is the backbone of the U.S. economy. If small businesses close, guess what happens? You lose jobs. Right. When you lose jobs, people stop spinning. That's when you right. stop spinning, other companies close down. <laughs> and it's a domino effect. And it just, you know, tanks the economy. Yes. So it's really my passion, my mission to save one small business at a time from going out of business because you hear about the big box stores all the time. Like you hear about public companies, Toys R Us closed up, Kmart oh, closed yeah. up, Steinmark closed up, Dress Barn closed up, GNC is closing 900 locations, Starbucks is in trouble. You know, but what you're not hearing about, Robbie, are all those small businesses on every street corner, private companies, not public, private, mm -hmm. private companies on every street corner, in every town and every street across our great nation that are dropping like flies. And these business owners are being forced to sell for pennies on the dollar, close their business or file for bankruptcy. And if they have to mm. file for bankruptcy, they don't just lose their business assets, they lose their personal assets too. This is all before COVID. Wow. Now, since COVID, every nine seconds, a business goes out of business. 90 seconds. Not, yeah. That's what wow. I heard. So... Things were bad before COVID and nobody knew it because mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't hear about the private companies on the news. It's like nobody cares about the small private business owner. That's true. Yeah. And so these are startling statistics. The business landscape has flip-flopped. It used to be if you made it in business over five years, you're golden. You can write your ticket. You know, you have a sustainable <laughs> business. Not now. If you're in business over 10 years, you're probably going to go out of business. Yikes. Yikes. So there are a lot of new entrepreneurs, our community are new entrepreneurs, uh, who are just getting started. They've designed their business. Now they want to sell for profit in the future. Foreseeing that future, how do you propose that can look like for them? Yeah, so that's a good, that's a very good question and a very good transition into my book, Exit Rich. Yes. Um, so, and I'm glad you said that because hopefully the new entrepreneur does things differently. Mm. Meaning that the old entrepreneurs never plan. <laughs> they never plan. You know, you have children, right, Robbie? I do. Three. Yes. Okay. So you have three children. Did you plan where they're going to go to preschool? No. Elementary? You didn't plan, you didn't plan where they're going to go to preschool, elementary school, high school? I, no. <laughs> you didn't did plan not. any of that? No. They told no. you where they want to go to preschool? <laughs> no, no, no. I did plan their college, but yeah, but you know. Well, most parents plan out everything for their children. Uh-huh. But most entrepreneurs don't plan out for their most valuable asset, which is their business. Mm -hmm. So business owners don't think about selling until they have to do the internal or external catastrophic event occurring. And that could be health issues, partner disputes, death, divorce, um, external is COVID fires, tornadoes, hurricanes, mm. you know, uh, riots, you know, anything uh, could be external or internal. 
So they don't think about that. The worst time to sell your business is when you're in a catastrophic event, when you're in the middle of chaos, because your business is typically trending downward and not doing well. Best time to sell your business is when it's doing well. So for all your young entrepreneurs that are planning to sell in the future, that's great because the number one mistake business owners make is not planning their exit. Not so, planning. These entre- so these young entrepreneurs need to go into business with this in mind. Ah. They need to go into business with the end in mind. Mm, I love that. They need to determine what their desired price tag is, what they want to sell their business for. That's number one. I call it the seller trucker GPS exit model. Whoa, so, whoa, that was fast. Say it one more time. A little, a little the, bit slower. <laughs> the Siler Tucker GPS exit model. Ah, got it. Okay. Yes. So the Siler Tucker GPS exit model, just like when you want to go somewhere, you pick out your phone. Yes. You, you Google, you know, where you put in the location where you want to go. You put in your destination where you want to arrive at. And the GPS already knows where you're starting from. So it determines the quickest path to get you there. Same thing with the STGPS exit model. Going in business, determine what you want to sell your business for. If you say, look, I want to sell my business for $10 million. Mm-hmm. Great. I want to sell my business for $10 million. That's my desired price tag. That's my destination. That's my end game. Let's reverse engineer it. Let's know where we're starting from. Mm-hmm. What are we worth today? Okay. If you're worth a million dollars today and you want to sell for $10 million, what time frame do you want to sell in? So let's say I want to sell for $10 million. I'm worth a million. I want to sell in five years. Okay. The next step is who are my buyers? There's five types of buyers. So Mm -hmm. let's say you have, let's say you have a $10 million. um, Let's say you have a staffing company. Okay. And you want to sell for $10 million and you have an IT staffing company. Well, then you got to figure out who buys those. Right. Is that a first-time buyer? No, because first-time buyers probably can't afford it. So it's going to be either a private equity group, a strategic slash competitor, or a sophisticated serial entrepreneur. Okay? Okay. Then you have to ask, what is their buying criteria? Where do my gross revenues need to be? Where does my gross profit margin need to be? Most importantly, where does the EBITDA have to be for them to pay me $10 million? Mm-hmm. It's going to have to be at least $2 million. Your EBITDA will have to be at least $2 million to get a $10 million purchase price, you know, between one and a half to 2 million. Then you need to know what is the buyer looking for as far as it relates to the six P's. Then you build that business and reverse engineer it. Now, you know, your in game, your sales price. Now, you know, your current valuation, where you're starting from, you know, it's five years, you know, it's these three types of buyers, you know, these are where your numbers need to be. This is where your EBITDA needs to be. How do you build that out? How do you build that out? Correct. Now let's, I'm going to just. Did that answer your question though? It answered my question, but I want to just circle back about your P's, your six P's. Yes. Yes. So let's go over those P's because our, our audience might not know what they are. Uh, okay. And I am thrilled by them. So let's go step by step over those P's. Those P's. Okay. And these are called the Solar Tucker six P's. So whenever I go in and evaluate a business, whether it's a business for me to buy, a business for me to partner with, or a business for me to sell, I go through this entire process. So the first thing I look at is people. People mm-hmm. is number one. You don't build a business. You build people and people build the business. Yes. So you got to have the right people in the right seat. The right people in the right seat. A lot of companies have the right people, but in the wrong seat. Uh-huh. Yep. Then you got to ask the who question. 
who in my business greets clients? Who in my business handles manufacturing? Who in my business handles distribution? Who in my business handles um, accounting? Who handles environmental issues? Who handles tax issues? Who handles protecting our IP, all of our intellectual property? The list goes on and on. Mm -hmm. Here's the secret. You should never be next to the who. Ah, okay. <laughs> so your name should never be next to the who. You want to build a business that's sustainable and can operate without the owner. The problem with most businesses are they're 100% dependent upon the owner and they're not sellable because when you take that, pluck that seller out, there is no more business. Oh, that's good. You are, yes, okay. yes. So identify the right people in the right seats and the who question and make sure you put a name next to every who and never put your name next to the who. Got it. So people's very important. Uh, the next P is product. So you got to ask yourself, is your product on the way up or on the way out? Is it thriving or dying? Do you have an Amazon or do you have a Blockbuster? Mm, okay. okay. And product is probably more important now than ever before, especially because of COVID. Yes. So if you're in the restaurant industry, your product's down here. You know, it's dying right now um, for most restaurants, not all restaurants. Right. Because many of them have gotten creative and they really think outside the box and they've changed their business model. They pivoted. Mm -hmm. So you got to find out for your product if it's on the way up or on the way out. And then if it's on the way out, you got to ask yourself three questions. These are transformational questions. Number one, what business am I in? Okay. Number two, what am I really good at? What is my mm -hmm. company really good at? Number three, what business should we be in? That's a good question. So I'll give you an example. Amazon, what business did they start in? Amazon? Yep. Oh, they're selling. No, what business did they start in? The book business. Oh, the book. Oh, absolutely. They were yes. books. They did books. They were a bookstore. Amazon asked themselves, what business are we in? We're in a book business. Then they asked themselves, what do we do really, really, really well? And they said, you know what? We do fulfillment really, really well. That's our core competency, fulfillment. Right. Mm -hmm. And then they asked themselves, what business should we be in? And I said, well, we shouldn't be in the book business. We should be in the fulfillment business. <laughs> and we should carry everything. Aha. Those three transformational questions is what took Amazon from a small bookseller to the big giant in e-commerce that they are today. Wow. So you just got to learn to ask the right questions. You can always tell how smart a person is by the questions they ask. And the problem with business owners is they become very transactional mm -hmm. and they stop being transformational. Transaction uh -huh. is not going to change your business. It's not going to catapult your business to the next level, but transformational will. Okay. Yes. Now, going back to the who question, that's very mm -hmm. powerful. In that who you're saying that that business is not the operator. So you, you don't want to be an operator and a business owner. You really don't because right. it's very hard to sell. Like very I'll, hard. I'll give you an example, dental practice, one dentist, the owner, mm -hmm. you take that dental out of practice. There is no business. There is no business. But if a dentist, if a dentist came out of school and built a practice and hired doctors underneath them, now they have a business. So you mm -hmm. want to make sure you're building a business, not a glorified job that you go to work to every right. day. Right. 
Right. So create a business that works for you rather than a job that you're working for. Oh, I love that. Yes. Okay. So that's why mm -hmm. the who is so important in people. So we talked about product. Now the third P is processes. So processes are always overlooked by owners. They never think about them until they have to <laughs> due to, due to a, a big, you know, catastrophic event in their business. Let's say that you have a manufacturing company and your employee just lost a limb. Mm, That's okay. a catastrophic event. And that event could have probably been avoided if you had good processes in place. So processes come out of necessity, but they shouldn't. Processes should be born when the company is born. Let me give you an example. Okay. Processes should be designed with the customer experience in mind. Have you ever watched the movie The Founder? Uh, I have not. Not the, the McDonald's story. I would suggest your entire audience to go watch The Founder. The Founder. Okay. So it's based on McDonald's story. So the McDonald's brothers started McDonald's back in the 40s. And back then, they only had Sonic-type drive-in restaurants where you would drive in, they come out on roller skates, bring your food. The problem with that concept is the order was always wrong, the food was always cold, and always <laughs> took really long. So McDonald's says, here's our mission statement, here's our objective. We're going to create a restaurant that provides great quality great tasting quality food in two minutes or less. We're okay. going to be a fast food. Fast restaurant. food. Yep. We're going to get your order right and it's going to taste great and you're going to be happy because you're getting it in two minutes or less. McDonald's is fast, right? They're still fast, right? Oh yeah. 100. So McDonald's said, how are we going to accomplish this? So they went out to an empty tennis court. They took their, all their employees they drew the processes on the empty tennis court and they all practiced. And they, they kept revising the processes and revising it all day until they finally figured out who takes the customer order, who toasts the buns, who grills the burgers, <laughs> who puts the pickles on the buns, who packages it, who gives it to the client. That process is what made McDonald's one of the number one franchises in the world. And no matter if you go to McDonald's in Russia or um, China yep. or Hong Kong or US, the experience is the same. It's the same. Because of the processes. So you design your processes when you design your business and you design them at the beginning with the customer experience in mind. You tweak them as you go. Mm -hmm. They got to be productive. They got to be efficient because here's the deal. If your process is aligned with your mission statement and your objective of what you're trying to accomplish, then you'll always have happy customers. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't, you're not going to have happy customers. That's so true. all those yep. drive-in restaurants did not design the process with the customer experience in mind. Does that make uh, sense? Oh, one, And that's yes. why you always have so many unhappy customers is because the process is broken. Yes, the process is broken. Yeah. Wow. So you want to make sure the processes are productive, efficient, well-documented, you know, like Whataburger, they have a dummy book, a dummies process book. <laughs> Anybody that steps into a Whataburger can read that manual and work at Whataburger. So you want to make sure your, your, your employees are well-trained on the processes. Yes. Okay. Then the fourth P, which is really the highest value driver and will get you the most for your business is called proprietary. Yes. And there's six pillars of proprietary. So number one is branding. The more well-branded your company is, 
the more your business will sell for as long as your brand is still relevant to consumers. Okay. Yes. So what brand do you think is the biggest in the world? Oh, wow. So many. Uh, the biggest tip. Yeah, go ahead. What is this? Oh, cell phone. Apple. Apple. Apple is the biggest brand in the world with worth $389 billion just for the brand. That's not the cash flow. That's not the inventory. That's not the assets. That's not real estate. That's not anything. That is just the brand. Coca-Cola <laughs> brand mm -hmm. is worth $89 billion. Build your brand, build your value. Here's a mistake that business owners make. They start a business and they get, a, they get a local trademark in their state. So let's say somebody starts a business in Louisiana. They get a trademark in Louisiana. They never get a federal trademark. Uh -huh. Big problem. Two or three or four or five, six years could go by. And all of a sudden, you receive a, a, system, uh, what is it, a cease and desist letter in the mail. Uh -huh. And so business owners are always like, oh, I'll fight this. So they start throwing money at it, thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. They're going to lose. They're never going to win. Then they end up having to change their company name because they did not get a federal trademark. Yeah. You have to get a federal trademark on your company name. It costs 1500 bucks. Go get it. <laughs> Protect <laughs> your company name. Okay. Okay. The other thing that's very valuable is, is, is slogans. Anything that makes you unique, like let's say boat, um, boat girl bibs. Yes. Get a federal trademark on that. Because if somebody else is using that, I remember one time I had a show called um, It's Your Biz. It's a radio show. And I got a cease and desist letter in the mail. Somebody's saying, oh, that's my trademark. I'm like, what? Good. I, I don't like it anyway. I'm not going to keep you. But now, like I have a federal trademark on Exit Rich. I have a federal trademark on a Solar Tucker sure. 6 Bs. I have a federal trademark on a Solar Tucker GPS Exit Model. So get your stuff your IP trademark. So you are protected. Okay. Yes. Also get patents because if you have something unique, patent it. There's lots of money to be made with patents. The other big value driver in proprietary is contracts, getting contracts with vendors, manufacturers, distributors, anyone you do business with. The most valuable contracts of all are client contracts. Because when a buyer comes and looks at a business and they see that company has a thousand contracts, that's money. They know that that's a sustainable business. But here's the caveat. Here's what most owners don't do. Most owners never have the two sentence transferability clause in their contracts or their contracts Ooh. are not transferable. Oh, wow. And 99.9% yep. .9 of all sales are asset sales. Asset sales. So yeah. if you don't have transferability language in your contract, your deal will fall apart. Wow. So add those two sentences. We're selling a business right now for $70 million. I have 150 contracts. None of them are transferable. <laughs> so they're working on getting the language in there. Um, and then the other big thing that's, that's worth value and proprietary is databases. You know, build your database. And if your database can be retargeted and repurposed, it's worth a lot of money. You'd be surprised. Facebook paid $19 billion for WhatsApp. And WhatsApp was hemorrhaging money. They were losing money. But guess what? Oh. They had a billion users. And Facebook knew they could take those billion users and ROI and monetize. Nice. So here's the other thing about proprietary. Real estate. We call this business real estate. 
prime business real estate. And that's not commercial property. This is what it means. Let's say you have an e-commerce business and you're selling, you're selling pillows. Okay. And you got the number one spot on Wayfair. Do you know how valuable that is? Do you know how much money a strategic buyer would pay for that? Tell us, please. A lot. A lot. A lot, because <laughs> you can't get that. So buyers buy synergies. So buyers buy mm. contracts. Buyers buy federal trademarks. Buyers buy brands. Buyers buy synergies that will help catapult their current business to the next level, which is why Facebook bought WhatsApp for $19 billion. So let's say that, let's say that um, you have a unique vacuum cleaner and you have several patents on it and it's a robot vacuum cleaner and you have cornered the market on Amazon and nobody can really get into that market. I've seen products do that time after time after time. Okay. That's worth a lot of money. Let's say that you have a skincare company and you have um, some celebrity endorsements. You're on a Kid Craddock show and you're endorsing your, your skincare or Oprah Winfrey has you on her hundred best things. Yes. This is all value that buyers will pay more money for, okay? The fifth P is patrons. So patrons are your customer base. You wanna make sure that you don't have customer concentration. You want customer diversification because a lot of times 80% of your revenue will come from 20% of your, of your clients. So if 80% okay. of your revenue comes from two or three clients and you lose a client, you're in big trouble going out of business. Also, if you've been in business 20, 30 years and your clients are starting to age out, you better replace them with new clients or you're going to be <laughs> aging out too with them. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then you're going to ask you, because this is what business owners stop doing. They stop asking clients, what do you need? What do you want? Especially after COVID because everybody's needs have changed after COVID. Correct. What do yeah. you need? What do you want? How can I make it easier for you to do business with my company? And really care about them and not just about your own agenda. Ah, uh, mm -hmm. okay. Very important. Very important. And then the last P, the most important P, and I'll leave it last for a reason, is profits. Yes. So we all want to be in business to make money. And somebody asked me the other day on a show, they go, Michelle, why, why do you put that last? I put that last because profits is never the problem. Mm. Never, ever the problem. It's always a symptom of not operating on one of the other five P's. Uh, if you don't have the right people in the right seats, and if you don't have a name next to the who's and you are the who, then you're not going to be that profitable. Uh huh. That's you know, good. If, you're, if your product is on the way out and you haven't asked yourself, what business should I be in and pivoted, then you're not going to be very profitable. If your processes are not efficient, productive, and designed with the customer experience in mind, you're not going to be very profitable. If you haven't protected your IP, making sure that your trademarks are protected and you get a cease and um, assist uh, letter. Mm -hmm. You're out. Yeah, you're out. <laughs> you're not <gonna> profitable. <laughs> Same thing with customers. So profit is never, ever, ever the problem. If you do all of these five right, you will have profits. You will have profits. That's so good, Michelle. Wow. Thank you. Wow. That is so good. <laughs> so, so many valuable lessons in that big question. Wow. Um, wow. I just, I'm just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> So let us know, um, what is the first step to exiting rich? I love the title of your book, this whole exiting rich. What is our first step? So the first step is what I said earlier is to plan your exit. Plan it. Plan because it. Because if you plan it, it's all in the planning. You know, 
things don't happen overnight. Rome was not built in a day. It takes mm -hmm. time to plan a sustainable, scalable, and sellable business. So plan it. You know, determine what you want to sell your company for. Gosh, you know, a lot of times business owners will come to me and I'll ask them, what do you want for your business? And they'll say, I want $20 million. I said, great. Well, right. I'd love to get you $20 million. How did you come up with that number? <laughs> and they go, well, that's what I need to retire on. Uh, or that's what I need to pay for my six girls' weddings. Or that's what I need to pay uh, for college. Or yep. that's what I need to divorce my wife or my spouse. Or that's, you know, it's what they need. It's not what it's worth. Mm. And so buyers don't care about what you need. They care about what your business value is to them. So Planning. really, if you want to sell for $20 million, don't wait till the end when you're like ready to sell because you're burned out or you're exhausted or something, you know, um, catastrophe has happened in your life. That's the wrong time. Plan it now and say, I want to sell for $20 million. I'm currently worth a million dollars. I want to do it in 15 years. With, you can achieve anything you plan as long as you have a strong enough why. Wow. That's step good. Five, step five in the STGPS exit model is why. Why do you want to sell for $20 million? Why do you want to do this? Because if your why isn't strong and powerful, you'll never do it. If it was easy mm. to sell a $20 million company, everybody would be doing it. Everybody would be doing it. That's that's right. Cool. So your why has to be really powerful to keep you in the game. Your why and your who? Your why and your who. <laughs> <laughs> and not and, you. Right. And that that's correct. <laughs> right. So that's really step one as a planet. Step two is to build your business on these six Ps. Yes. Make sure you have the right people with the right products, with the right processes, protect your IP, your proprietary, make sure you have diversified patrons, loyal patrons in place, and then you'll be profitable. And that's when you can tell yourself, what am I really worth? Yes. Now here's the deal. You should, you know, people get health checkups every year. Yes. People get their car checked up every year. Ask me how many business people actually get a checkup on their business to see what their business is worth every year. Michelle, how many businesses? Actually <laughs> <give> <laughs> Zero. 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 Oh my goodness. Zero. Yeah. So I own companies. I own multiple companies. And one of my partners, I said the other day when we were in a board meeting in Texas, I said, we need to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to update this evaluation. I go, well, Michelle, you just did it. I said, no, I did it last year. We're going to do it again. And they go, why? And I go, because your numbers have grown. You've grown at like 40%. You're worth right. more now. And every year you need to know what the business is worth. Did the business value go up? Did the business value go down? You need to know because how do you know when you get somewhere if you don't know where you're starting from? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Planning, right? Yeah. Planning. <laughs> yes. Now, nobody plans to fail. People fail to plan. Ah, yes, absolutely. Yep. I love that. Yeah. Michelle, this has been absolutely fantastic. So many golden nuggets, so many lessons learned. How can our audience get in touch with you? Sure. So I would love your audience to go by Exit Rich. And they can go to exitrichbook.com. And we're in pre-sales right now. But here's, here's the great thing about pre-sales. You get a great price and yes. you get lots of value. So for $24.79, <laughs> They get the digital download of Exit Rich today, immediately. So oh, when you today, order, you get it okay. immediately. That's number one. Number two, you get a lifetime membership into Exit Rich Book Club. Now, if you like what you're hearing here, there's a lot more content, video content, and me going into strategies 
and things that you should be doing in your company and the questions you should be asking yourself. Mm. Plus we have digital downloads. So a lot of people will say, Michelle, I've never seen a non-compete before. I've never seen employee handbook before, an organizational chart. I've never seen a, a LOI, which is a letter of intent, or purchase agreement, or closing dots, or due diligence checklist. It's all there. So <laughs> all the digital downloads that you've never seen before are there for your access. And then you also will receive 30 days into Club CEOs, which is a, a online mastermind where I do Q&A, hot seats, and we really kind of get down and gritty and say, okay, what's going on with your business? What, you know, what business are you in? What business should you be in? What, can, what tweak can we do? What pivot can we do? Who can I connect you with? So that we can really help business owners not just survive, but thrive when all of this is over. And then when the book comes out, we'll ship it to your doorstep for $24.79. Now you can put it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Hudson, but it's $27.97 plus shipping. Okay. Well, so that's exitrichbook.com. Exitrichbook.com. Right. Yep. Yep. And then there's also bulk orders. If somebody wanted to buy for Christmas presents, you know, somebody bought 10 bucks, they get two hour consultation with me. And we have oh, a dang. lot of different bulk orders or somebody wants to buy for their organization or, you know, for donations or for Christmas gifts, we have those options too. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Is there anything else coming up for you? I know you have this book, anything mm -hmm. else that you would like to share? Um, you know, that's a good question. I like <laughs> to write. I like to write. So I do have probably six other books that will be coming out. Wow. Um, Cause I do like to write. But um, I think that's big. Um, yeah, probably, that is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just really looking at expanding Solar Tucker. We do have a mergers and acquisitions training program. So we teach other um, individuals how to have a successful career in mergers and acquisitions. So we are expanding Solar Tucker and opening up more offices. Beautiful. Wow. Thank you so much, Michelle. This has been great. Thank you well, for having me, Robbie. Yes, yes, absolutely. Well, there are two ways to learn, make your own mistakes or learn from others. I'm your host, Robbie Walls, and I am here to help you grow your business with new strategies and different ideas so that you sell more and sell better without needing years of experience. It's time to take massive action in your business and be bold. Text the word BOLD to 55312 and get your free guide to resilience and schedule 30 minutes to work personally with me. I love you for listening and I will see you next time on Bold Girl Biz. Hey, thanks for listening to Bold Girl Biz. If you've enjoyed today's lessons learned, leave us a comment or review. And for today's show notes, head over to boldgirlbiz.com and click podcast. While you're there, you'll find tools to help you power through your journey to success to achieve your goals. Always remember, I believe in you, you are powerful, and you are bold. See you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>